2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom From KMOX Sports. The Young Swings and that's a high fly ball. billigan's win! billigan's win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown! City. On America's Sports Voice, yes! KMOX.
3: We do welcome you into another edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us as we get another week rolling. Starting the show a little bit late this week because of the uh, slew uh, coaches show that we had for uh, the last hour or so, but I've got you till eight o'clock this evening. We've got a lot to get to. We'll talk uh, a fair amount of NFL football this evening. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to have one of my favorite people to be able to talk football with. He is uh, Russell Baxter, and uh, he is going to join us in uh, just a few moments. We'll look back at the AFC and NFC Championship games and also look ahead to uh, the Super Bowl. We'll talk uh, a little hockey. The St. Louis Blues, they are just now getting underway. So if we're going to talk hockey, we should probably start talking hockey now with that game just getting started. it's not great right now. If you heard me with Kevin Wheeler tonight at five fifteen during Total Information PM, like I just something's missing, and I don't I don't know what it is. I think that they are a team that is talented enough to be a playoff team. But for whatever reason, they just can't put it together. And you look at their game against Colorado on, on Saturday. They they lifted themselves back into it. But still, it's a, it's a loss. It's a 4-2 loss over their four-game losing streak that they're on right now. They've allowed 19 goals. 19 goals that they have given up uh, in the last four games. So I think the one good thing about playing tonight is after you're done playing tonight, you don't play again for a while. They're gonna get almost two weeks off. They're not going to play again until Saturday, February 11th, when they are going to match up against Arizona. And just maybe some time away from things is exactly uh, what the team needs. And we'll see if they can go on some sort of crazy run through the months of February and March. That's the good thing. They are in no way, shape, or form out of playoff contention. They are turn. You know, if if they can pull a 180, they can easily put themselves right back in it they have not buried themselves so much that there's not an opportunity but all that being said so far there have been no signs no indications that they are going to be able to do that so we'll just have to wait and see and you've got the whole trade deadline thing uh and what they can do the more and more i think about it though it just feels like a lot of teams are in a very similar place that the Blues are in in terms of their uh, salary cap situation. So I don't know what kind of deals there are to be made uh, where you're going to be able to dump some salary onto some other teams. So that's going to be a-, a challenging thing as well. You know, there, there is still a-, a COVID impact to what's going on when it comes to that as well. The Blues winning the cup and and, and being forced to do some things from a financial standpoint. And then shortly thereafter, we had COVID. So all of a sudden, the cap is not moving up at the same pace that we thought it was going to be moving up. And a lot of teams are, you know, that, that's not completely unique to the Blues. The one part about it that's unique to the Blues was uh, the when they won the Cup. But all that being said, it's just it's not a great financial place for this team. And it feels like they've got some work to do. And it's a project that might uh, take A fair amount of time to kind of put themselves in a little bit better financial shape. That being said, we should also be grateful that they do spend uh, the way that they spend and continue to be very competitive in that area. It just at times can put you in a little bit of a a tough situation when it comes to that. So Blues in Winnipeg this evening, the only game being played tonight in the NHL. And then the Blues are off until February 11th when they're going to match up against Arizona. Obviously the uh the focal point of the sports weekend was the NFL and Conference Championship Sunday with the NFC and AFC Championship games. To be blunt about it, I am I appreciate the 49ers and we talked about this a lot last week uh on on the show. I appreciate the way the 49ers have built themselves not really having uh an elite quarterback and the fact that they were able to go through Trey Lance and, and, and Garoppolo, and then eventually get to uh, Brock Purdy this year. But at some point, it just feels like you're going to face off against a team that if they don't have an elite quarterback, they've got a really, really good quarterback, and then they've got some other pieces around it as well, and you're just going to run into something. And then you add in the fact that the 49ers uh, lost Brock Purdy to injury. They had to go to Josh Johnson and end up losing him. I mean, it was just it was a disaster. Uh, Eagles had no problem, no problem winning that game 31-7 to I still sit there and I try to figure out how good of a quarterback Jalen Hurts is he's, he's good enough to win a lot of games, he can do things in multiple ways, he makes the throws when you really need them, he can, he can hurt you with his feet, he does things a little bit differently, but he's fun, he's entertaining and they win games and the Eagles have a well put together roster but to me the, the compelling game on Sunday was the AFC Championship with the Chiefs beating the Bengals by a 23-20 to score Here's what I don't understand. I don't understand it at all. I don't get the pushback on the roughing the passer penalty. That's a penalty. That's always a penalty. That's a penalty yesterday. That's a penalty tomorrow. That's a, that's a penalty all the time. And I never, I never want officials in a situation like that, saying, I can't throw this flag because of where we're at in the game. If it's a ticky-tack penalty and you're at that point in the game, maybe you don't throw the penalty. The, the th- don't, don't throw the flag. But that's, that's not a ticky-tack penalty. That, that was a roughing the passer. Mahomes is hit out of bounds. Like There is, there is no doubt that that is a roughing the passer penalty. And it's not just because it's Patrick Mahomes. That, that is going to be, if that is ever not called, it is a horrible no call. It is a horrendous no call. And it doesn't matter what the stature of the quarterback is. So I just, I don't completely get, I don't completely understand the people out there who are really upset about that penalty. Now there were some other calls in there that were questionable, more calls went against Cincinnati than Kansas City. Uh, we can't that I don't I don't think we can argue that point. If you want to look, you know like in baseball, we always get those the like the umpire auditor report cards after games and it puts like a run uh, value to what the umpire did. So like if if the umpire if if the ball you know, if if the performance of the umpires is so one sided in one direction, generally this has mostly to do with balls and strikes. You know, a team might be plus one point two runs or something. Um if we were to apply that same standard to this, I I think Kansas City got the better end of some of these calls. And I'm not even even including like that roughing the passer. There were just some other calls in there. Um, there was that intentional grounding in there. There was an extra down seemingly given in there. There was there were some things, but there were some calls against Kansas City uh, in their last couple drives as well. So it wasn't completely one sided. I just I don't get the people who sit here and say that the officials determined that game. Did that final call put Kansas City? in a place to kick the game-winning field goal. Like, obviously, clearly. I'm not, I'm not trying to mince words on that. But I didn't have a problem with that call. And I just, I don't think, I don't walk out of that game saying the officiating was horrible, that, that, that's bad for the NFL, somebody got screwed. Like, that's not how I walked out of there. I, I finished watching that game, and I thought to myself, that was a really entertaining game. That was a fun game to watch. And I thought to myself, man, Patrick Mahomes is good. Patrick Mahomes is really, really good. And if, if you can choose one quarterback in the National Football League right now to win you a game, even with one leg, even with a high ankle sprain, that guy, that guy is Patrick Mahomes. And he just continues to do spectacular things on a week-in, week-out basis. I know Cincinnati's favored. Cincinnati opened up, but not. Excuse me. I, I know Philadelphia's favored, not Cincinnati. I know Philadelphia's is uh, favored uh, in the Super Bowl. There, they've opened up as a two-point favorite. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to uh, win the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. A lot more uh, football talk coming up. Uh, Russell Baxter is going to join us in uh, just a moment. We'll get his take on uh, everything that went down. We'll see if he agrees with me or not on uh, the officiating in that game. We'll do that in just a moment. The Sports Open Line does continue after this right here on KMOX. Back here on KMOX, Matt Paul, my name. Just a one-hour edition of the program today, talking a lot of NFL football after conference championship Sunday yesterday and now the Super Bowl matchup. It is set as the Chiefs and Eagles are going to match up here in uh, just a couple Sundays. And with that being said, we're very happy to welcome on to the program a guy who has covered the NFL for a long, long time. He is Russell Baxter. You follow him on Twitter at Bax, B-A-X, Football Guru. He's part of the team at Fan uh, Fanside, also the founder of Pro Football Guru, profootballguru.com. Russell, thank you so much for uh, taking some time. How are you?
2: Um, I'm doing good, Matt. How are you?
3: I am good. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. I Always love getting your thoughts on the NFL and let's look back at the conference championship Sunday a, a little bit. And that was uh, I realized what was going on with the 49ers and their quarterback situation and just everything. But my goodness, that was a that was an impressive performance by the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: I, I think um, it somewhat gets lost. Philadelphia's defense yeah. um, and, and the physicality of it. And you know, they may, let's not forget, they they during the regular season this year, they had 70 sacks. Okay. It's one of the highest total. Now I know they had the extra game. The NFL record is 72 by the 84 bears the year before they won the Super Bowl, but 70 sacks. And they did a number on Daniel Jones and obviously the damage they did. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I remember talking about very, very early this year is what Howie Roseman did in dotting the I's and crossing the T's. You know, there there are some people who feel the more people you sign, that means you've won free agency. Um, Howie Roseman orchestrated a couple of trades during the draft. Um, he got A.J. Brown, which was such a good trade that it basically cost John Robinson his job mm. in Tennessee. Um, and then he got Hassan Redick, who is a fascinating player because – for the first three years he was in Arizona, and he, he looked like he was a bust, first-round pick. Um, then they moved him to the outside r- right after the passer, went to Carolina, rolled up a bunch of sacks, and, un- you know, surprisingly, Carolina didn't try to retain him. Co- comes to Philadelphia, and the impact he's off. He had 16 sacks during the regular season yesterday. Um, he out he outboza Nick Boza. Um, who suffered an injury yesterday that, you know, that's that it was more, almost like WWE like. Um, when one of his own players whipped one of the Philadelphia Eagles right into his legs when he was standing on the sidelines, very bizarre game, Matt, to say the least. But, you know, the one thing with Philly that the concern was their defense against the run and. Uh, sometimes when you're so aggressive, it can play against you. But they set a tone early on. Now their offense, think about it, didn't really do all that much yesterday. They had less than 300 total yards, and Jalen Hurts doesn't necessarily look 100 percent now. But now he gets an extra two weeks, and uh, you know, for the second time in six years, they're back in the Super Bowl with a pretty much. There are exceptions, obviously, but for the most part, a lot of new faces. Obviously, that happens in free agency in six years. But the common denominator about this Philadelphia team from the one that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, offensive and defensive lines and deep as well. You just alluded
3: to it but to be more specific about, do you ever, we look around the NFL and we see a lot of teams that are really good at making bad decisions. And then you see a Philadelphia organization that's pretty good at bringing in smart football people and allowing them to make good decisions. And all that seemingly turns into kind of a program that continues to have success at a pretty high level.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, uh, if, if you were a team that's won the Super Bowl within the last five or six years, you would think you would have this, still have the same head coach, maybe the same quarterback, especially when you drafted a quarterback second overall in two thousand and sixteen as the Eagles did um, and you know they wound up parting ways with a pretty good head coach who did a pretty good job in Jacksonville this year, <laughs> if you think about it so um but they moved on it. it, it Howie Roseman has been there for quite a bit. He lost power for a while. You'll remember that. And so when Chip Kelly was there and regained that power, and, and again, he didn't make a lot of moves this offseason, but he made some substantial ones. And, you know, this was the Eagles team that got off to a rough start last year under Nick Sirianni. They settled in. They kind of had a – they laid a really bad playoff egg against Tampa Bay. Um, but they use that as, I think, as motivation. You know, they won, won their first eight games this year. They're last team to lose a game, and um, here they are, tied for the best record in the league, and uh, two two playoff wins by what's that, sixty nine to fourteen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's pretty yeah. good. what yeah.
3: Where do the Forty Nine ers go from here in terms of their
2: quarterback? Well. The only people who didn't play for them yesterday were Joe Montana, Steve Young, and John Brody. Okay, um, it's hard. To, it's hard to tell. They invested a third overall pick and gave up a lot to get Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo's still hanging around, but unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo has struggled throughout his career to stay healthy. Um, Brock Purdy turned out to be, you know, his biggest Cinderella story as, as, you, as you will ever find. And came within one game of being the first rookie quarterback to start a Super Bowl, but things didn't go his way. They brought in Josh Johnson, obviously, and he played yesterday. We saw Christian McCaffrey take, I think, a snap or two as well. I know he threw a pass and so on. I don't know. It's it's hard decisions. And, you know, when you saw Trey Lance play, Matt, he didn't exactly look like he was ready for primetime or any time. Um, and how healthy is he? So, uh, it's, it's you know, it's, it's just how this league is. I mean, you can be on – in the crest of the mountaintop, and then a year later things fall apart. I mean, you don't have to look any further than the Rams. Yeah. You know, who got hot mm-hmm. at the right time last year and won a lot of close playoff games. Um and became the first Super Bowl, I'm sorry, defending Super Bowl champion to lose twelve games the following season.
3: Russell Baxter is continuing to join us. Let's jump over to the AFC Chiefs and Bengals. Fantastic game. A lot of people complaining about all the flags. A lot of people are complaining about the roughing the passer call, which put the Chiefs in field goal position. Where where do you stand on the officials and the job they did in the AFC Championship?
2: Well, I thought it was kind of an erratic effort by them, to be honest with you. And you know, some, would, some might suggest that the roughing the passer call might have been one of the few they got right, because yeah. that was pretty blatant if you really looked at it. But it was, you know, it, it, Kansas City got set up. You know, Patrick Mahomes had a hell of a performance, considering the high ankle sprain. Um, and this was another classic way, because um, so much own. I want to tell you, so much onus on quarterback. This quarterback beat that quarterback this quick, and that it doesn't work that way. It's not Borg McEnroe or Ali Frazier. Okay, the quarterback isn't playing the quarterback. And there's so many ways you can win football games, and that final drive by, by the Chiefs was really set up by their special teams, by the rookie, Sky Moore. And then, you know, Patrick does his thing, and, and then all of a sudden they walk out of the building. And, you know, but, you know, credit to Cincinnati. And they had a lot of penalties yesterday. So did San Francisco, by the way. Um, and, you know, it was just the bizarre play that was not a play and so on. And um, and I, I, got, I got to jump back, Matt, to the, uh, the you know, I, I understand – the Bengals-Chiefs game went down to the wire, correct? Yes. But the Philly-San Francisco game was affected by a wire. <laughs> correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. And a non-catch that was ruled a catch and yeah. nobody reviewed it and so on. It's kind of – you know, I don't know how great a day it was for a lot of people. <laughs> same except for Patrick Holmes. Who somehow found a way to throw for three hundred yards with a depleted cast and so on, so um uh, but uh, Cincinnati is a team because their quarterback really does have ice water in his veins, and he makes up, up for a lot of things they do their defense is very aggressive but they think they can be hurt via the pass and so on. They got a lot of good uh, they need some back end help and so on but um Cincinnati-Kansas City has all of a sudden emerged into the rivalry I think people thought Buffalo-Kansas City was going to be, and the fact that Cincinnati had beaten them three times in a row, and they have now met four times in a row, and every game has been decided by three points.
3: Is there anything more impressive going on in the NFL right now, though, than just the Kansas City's consistent year-after-year effort of at least being in the AFC Championship game and really hosting it?
2: Well, no. I mean, they've kind of taken over the reign of what New England was able to do. Oh, New England had more Super Bowl success uh, early on and so on. I remember they won three in, the, in, in a four-year span. But, uh, you know, the Chiefs have won seven straight division titles. Um, this, you know, since 2020, um, they're 40-10 and 10 in the regular season, and that's the best record in the league. So that's 80% winning games. Um, and now we'll see what happens with them in the postseason. They're in the Super Bowl for the third time in, in four years. And uh, lo and behold, Andy Reid, who is yeah. going to be, you know, the, between the Kelsey brothers and Andy Reid, that's going to be the onus of topic. But this was something I almost found out by accident, and I have no idea what it means. When Andy Reid was head coach of the Eagles, he was 3-0 and against the Chiefs. As head coach of the Chiefs, Andy Reid is 3-0 and against the Eagles. Hmm. All right. What does that mean? Who knows? We'll find out I in a couple weeks. Last year, the uh, the Chiefs went into Philadelphia and laid a pretty good whipping on Nick Sariani's team. I remember that.
3: Last thing for you before we get you out of here. It, it's always something with the Cowboys. They make the decision well, to move on from, from Kellen Moore. He's out of work for about 15 minutes. We hear that Mike McCarthy is going to call plays. He's a really good offensive coach, but at times his play calling in Green Bay left something to be desired. And we see the in-game issues that happen already with the Cowboys. It feels like adding something more to the plate of the head coach might not be the smartest thing. Like how, how do you put all that together? What are your thoughts on, on these decisions that are being made in Dallas?
2: Well, you know, offensively, this team has been erratic, you know, and even though Dak didn't necessarily have the turnovers a year ago that he had this season and he really went on a bad run and so on, you know, here's what kind of gets lost is sometimes you got to look closer. Last year, you may recall that, 2021, the Cowboys were the highest scoring team in the league. Now, they got nine touchdowns from their and special teams. That's not offensive football, okay? So that number of 530 points was a bit deceptive. Um, you know, they, they've thrived on takeaways. Let's face it. They've led the league in takeaways two years in a row. Let me tell you how hard that is to do. The last team to do that were the 72, 73, and 74 Pittsburgh Steelers. Hmm. So basically about 50 years. Yeah. Getting takeaways is tough. So, but they've had to rely, they've relied on them. And we have seen them, as good as their defense can be and a big play beat defense can be, give up a big lead against Green Bay, give up a big lead against Jacksonville. And they're not equipped because I, I think sometimes with the personnel they have, with the two backs, Pollard and Elliott, with the offensive line that's kind of get coming together somewhat, CD Lamb. Alton Schultz, they've certainly got weapons, okay? But as far as an offensive identity, it's hard to figure out what they really want to be, and maybe that's the reason uh, they decide to let Kellen Moore go, who, like you said, um, looks like he's off the greener pastures with a pretty nice, talented young quarterback. He is Russell Baxter.
3: He's one of my favorite football people to be able to talk to, being very gracious with his time during a uh, busy time of the year. Follow him on Twitter at Bax football Guru. You can read him all over the place, including uh, his uh, – he founded Pro Football Guru. ProFootballGuru.com is the website. Russell, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we can do this again in the future.
2: Absolutely. Nice catching up with you.
3: That is Russell Baxter joining us here on Sports Open Line again at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. If you want to follow along with everything uh, that he's got going, he's been covering the game for a really, really long time and I appreciate him taking some time with us. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We'll talk some college basketball. It was one heck of a weekend when it comes to uh, many of our area teams. We'll go through all of that in just a moment. Sports Open Line continues after this right here on KMOX.
2: A grand slam. This is Sports Open Live. On America's Sports Voice. What's down? City. KMOX.
3: Sports Open Line continuing on right here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly. Glad to have you with us. This week, a little bit of a different type of week. Uh, we've got uh, SLU basketball playing 6 o'clock games a couple times this week, tomorrow night and then Friday night, so we will not have shows those nights. And then, of course, uh, countdown to opening day comes your way on Wednesday. Mike Claiborne and myself uh, have confirmed a couple interviews that will be coming up on Wednesday night as well. You might be interested in this, uh, including... Scott Rowland. We played some of his cuts last week uh, from his uh, press conference where uh, he was introduced as a Hall of Famer but uh, we are going to have an exclusive with Scott Rowland this week. We also expect to uh, talk with new Cardinals TV broadcaster Chip Carey. Uh, he is going to join us coming up on Wednesday night as well. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun coming up this week. Countdown to opening day Wednesday nights from 6 o'clock to uh, 8 o'clock here on uh, KMOX and of course across So it was the uh, the Cardinals radio network. Uh, Tom Ackerman sent out a tweet over the weekend, and I thought it was a really good point that he made. And I wanted to mention it for just a moment because it really feels like at this moment as we sit here, we're in a really, really good spot regionally in terms of college basketball. So slews back at tomorrow night. They have been Really good since A-10 play opened up. To be fair, they've played the bottom part of the Atlantic 10, and they are going to have some more uh, more complicated, more challenging games coming up. If you want to circle some dates on the calendar when it comes to SLU, probably the first one is going to be this Friday night. They're going to host VCU inside of uh, Chaffetz Arena. That's going to be a 6 o'clock start. Then next Friday, February 10th, they're going to play a game at Dayton. That is a very, very uh, important game. Uh, and then uh, their final two games of the season probably uh, in the seeding in the A10 tournament could very well come down to Slu's final two games of the regular season because they go to VCU on February 28th, and then they are at home against Dayton on March uh, on March 3rd. So those are those are really important games, but. The point being, they're playing some really good basketball, really good basketball right now, and they're doing it right as you wanted to see them do it. They're doing it at the very uh, important time of the year, and they're going to match up against Fordham tomorrow. Fordham's fine. I mean, Fordham's, they're 17-4. They're 5-3 and, four, they're five and three in A-10 play, and playing uh, on the road is always challenging, but it just feels like every single one of these games is another opportunity for Slew to just kind of add to that resume. I, I still have a hard time believing that the A-10 is going to find a way to get an at-large bid this year, which they that is not a rare thing for them they they are a league that can be a multi-bid league it just it doesn't feel it's going to be that way this year but it's it wouldn't be impossible as well depending on you know say what Slu continues to do uh over the course of uh the rest of the regular season if they continue to dominate and then where something were to happen where they did not win the conference tournament but going back to what i was saying a moment ago and the tweet specifically from tom ackerman so he uh, he sent this out over the weekend. He said college basketball is alive and well in this region. Mentioned Missouri beating Iowa State, Illinois beating Wisconsin, St. Louis, what they were doing. SIU leading the Valley, Southeast Missouri, SIUE continuing to fight in the OVC. And look, I would I would add there's some other you know the Lindenwood story is a really good story, and they have been competitive inside of the uh, of the OVC um, in i I know that missouri state maybe not they're not completely having the season that they would like to be having, but there is there's a lot of positive going on with the uh with the missouri state men's basketball team uh as well as they continue to uh go through what their season uh right now they're eleven and eleven they're seven and five in, in league play but this is a really really good time for college basketball in the area. The new top 25 polls came out earlier today for Missouri in the AP poll they are just they are just on the outside looking in they are the top team receiving votes so they're the de facto number 26 team in the nation. Illinois has seemingly gotten over that speed bump and they're rolling once again. That was a good win that they had against Wisconsin and now uh, they're the third team receiving votes in the AP poll, so essentially they are the uh, number 28 team in the nation. There's there's a good chance that a lot of our area teams are going to be participating in March Madness this year, and that's going to be so much fun. This is such a great college basketball market, such a great uh, college basketball region, and to see – all of our area teams doing what they are seemingly doing is is great. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what Slough's going to do tomorrow night. This Friday's game is a big one, man. It is huge coming up on uh, Friday night. And I know they're expecting uh, a big crowd at Chaffetz Arena. Hopefully, that place is just absolutely rocking uh, for that VCU game. Uh, but it's, uh, this is, uh, nobody really expected Missouri to be doing what they're doing. That win for Missouri. Against Iowa State, a really, really good Iowa State team, for Missouri to win that game in the fashion that they won it, up by 10 at the half, winning the game by 17, 78 to 61. That was as impressive of a win as they have had this year. And now that Isaiah Mosley is back with the team and back playing and, and doing what he's doing it just seems like everybody is being given the opportunity to play at a high level. I I've, I always say that the best coaches out there are the coaches that allow players to become their best self and then use the best versions of those players in a way that works the most. Like that's the definition of coaching. I'm not I'm not telling you anything new here. But that's been something that has really struck me about uh, what Coach Gates has done at Missouri. Just uh, his ability to help guys be their best self. And uh, it's resulted in them putting together just a, a fantastic season so far. The Tigers are 16-5. and 16-5. and that, uh, that is absolutely something. All right, one more break. We will come back and we'll wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line right here on KMOX.
0: News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals.
3: Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Hopefully, you've been able to uh, enjoy your day today. If you're like me, uh, it was a little bit different. You wake up with the, uh, I've got a a daughter in school, so uh, we woke up with the news this morning that school would not be uh, taking place, which was a smart, smart decision from the uh, area school district to do that. I was out driving last night. Oh, it was like 7 o'clock. I had broadcast a uh, basketball game in Evansville, Indiana yesterday, and uh, I was coming back, and I was on 40 and coming up on, like, ballast, and that's right when there was that multi-car, pile-up, closing-down, 40 West thing, and I didn't realize. And you kind of make that turn, and I did that, and then all of a sudden, all you see – are all the, the police cars and, and, and fire trucks and ambulances with their lights lit up and nothing but brake lights because cars aren't going anywhere and everybody's driving along with their, uh, you know, hazard lights on because uh, it's icy, so people are going slow. And at that moment, I'm like, I got to get off on ballast or uh, I'm going to be sitting here mo- going nowhere for Lord knows how long. Luckily, I was able to uh, just barely get over onto ballast and I continue going west from there. But, yeah, it was – uh. Crazy last night, and uh, good that by the time I came into work today, the roads were uh, completely fine, which uh, certainly is a good thing. Reminder for you to no show tomorrow night. We are going to have SLU basketball. And then on Wednesday night, we are looking forward to uh, countdown to opening day. It's going to be a fun show this week. We're still working on a few things that we look to get uh, confirmed. But Mike Claiborne and myself will have you from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Wednesday. And uh, we do know that uh, new Cardinals TV broadcaster Chip Carey is going to join us. If you did not see the news that was officially confirmed by Bally Sports Midwest and the Cardinals. And uh, so Chip Carey officially... uh, Becoming the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, he wrote uh, a nice little note that he put out on social media. Actually, his one of his sons put it out on uh, social media. Chip is not on uh, Twitter himself, but uh, one of his sons did. Just thinking, uh, the Atlanta Braves fan that was a, that was a long time for him uh, in Atlanta, and now uh, he comes to uh, St. Louis to become the third generation of uh, of the Carey family to broadcast in St. Louis, which is uh, really really cool. So, looking forward to talking with uh, Chip just a little but uh, when he is going to join us coming up on Wednesday night during Countdown to Opening Day here on KMOX and also across the uh, Cardinals radio network. I'm not a video game guy. I feel like I am in the minority sometimes on that. You know, I talk with Kevin Wheeler. Wheels plays a lot of video games. I'm not trying to, like, throw him under the bus or anything. That's his thing. Good for him. You know, may- maybe at some point in my life as, you know, Kid gets older, and you know maybe I, whatever. If, if I'm in a different place in my life, maybe I come back around on video games later in life. But that is uh, that's not my thing right now. Uh, but I did find this interesting: Jazz Chisholm from the Miami Marlins. He is going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 23. Uh, he is someone that plays the game with a certain flair, and. Yeah, I'm. I'm of the belief that's good for baseball. Like I I love baseball so much, and I want I want other people to love it. And sometimes in the world we live in, you're just kind of stuck in this spot where you got to have a little bit of flash to really get the attention. And it's weird having this conversation in St. Louis because this is St. Louis, and we have the Cardinals, and obviously. Um, Being a baseball fan growing up in St. Louis is a little bit different than being a baseball fan growing up in a lot of other places. And so I'm almost – what I'm saying right here almost applies more to other cities than it applies to where we live. But I just – I want to see the game grow I want to see younger players being involved. We've talked about it before on this show just like the you know we've generally talked about it in terms of um minorities playing baseball specifically African Americans in the United States not playing baseball as much and what you can do about that and how major league baseball teams have done a good job of putting together urban programs and building little league fields and things like that but vo- so often the fruits of those labors you might not see for like 20 years. But I'm I'm all in on anything you can do to promote the game to younger people, to make the game seem fun, to make the same game seem cool. I'm not somebody that's sitting there saying you need to show up your opponent when you're playing. But you know what? It's not the end of the world when there's a bat flip. It's not. There's some people who can't believe what I'm saying right now. It's not the end of the world on a bat flip, especially in a big moment. Like I got I love the bat flips and big moments. I love the emotion. I, I, that's, that's part of sports. I was talking about this uh, with Dave Glover earlier today. We are talking about the AFC Championship game and the emotion that went on uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals when they lost that game and after that penalty was called and the crying on the sideline. Like, that shows the stakes, and sometimes you see the stakes when something negative has happened. But you see it from a positive standpoint as well. Get excited. Have fun. Baseball's a fun game. So it's a small thing, but I think it's a good thing that somebody like Jazz Chisholm um, Chisholm is is featured on MLB, the show. He becomes the uh, first Bahamian-born athlete to grace the cover of a sports video game as well. So a little bit of history being made there. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks to uh, Russell Baxter for uh, joining us on the program. Again, slew basketball coming up tomorrow. Mike Claiborne and myself, we will have you for uh, countdown to opening day coming up on Wednesday night. And uh, that's going to be a really, really good show this week. So hopefully you are uh, locked into that. Have a good rest of your evening, and we'll talk to you again real soon here on KMOX.